Colossians chapter number 3. And Peg, we've been in this thing a long time. I don't know if I'm going to get out of it very much. <laughs> Amen. It's a good book. I was read the rest of the book today again, and it's talking about them Laodiceans. Amen. Laodicea, Laodicea, Laodicea. It's a book for the Laodicean church age. Amen. And uh, it's great stuff. We already seen what we're supposed to put on, put off. And verse 15 said, let the peace of God rule. That's our governor, amen. Rule in our hearts. See, the, this thing's dealing with your heart. And uh, I wouldn't give you a dime for preaching that wouldn't deal with your heart. Uh, God asked me for his heart when I got saved, didn't he? He said, that with the mouth. He said, with the heart, man believeth on the righteousness. It's a heart. It's a heart issue. The whole bottom line is I had a bad heart. Amen. I have a heart that was desperately wicked. And uh, I got a brand new heart. And I got a king now that resides in my heart. My heavenly companion, the Lord Jesus Christ, came inside. Remember Colossians chapter 1, we were dealing with our heavenly companion. We got a heavenly companion. And he's there in my heart. And uh, I got peace now with God. Remember? How do you have peace with God? How do you have the peace with God? Well, therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. The war's over, right? Man's at odds with God, isn't he? Man's going the opposite direction God is, and he's butting heads with God all the time, and he's wanting to do his own thing, and he's at odds with God. And the wrath of God abides upon a sinner, doesn't it? Right? When a person, I've heard many people say, when I got saved, that weight of sin just rolled off my back. <laughs> the weight of sin didn't roll off your back. The wrath of God was removed from you. <laughs> Amen, amen. I mean, that's what happened, right? The Bible said the wrath of God abides on me, right? So it was abiding on me, and that wrath of God was getting heavier and heavier and heavier. The more I sinned, the more the wrath of God, the harder it was, the more the gravitational pull towards hell was. And, and God's hand of mercy was holding back his hand of judgment upon me. And when I trusted Jesus Christ, the hand of, the wrath of God was removed. And that's, where, that's what they feel. They see, feel the wrath of God being removed from them. And now I have peace with God. And proof that I have peace with God is he sent me the peace of God. Amen. And now a Christian could go along and a Christian can sin. And when a Christian sins, and uh, next thing you know, he loses the peace of God. And then all of a sudden he thinks, I've lost my salvation because I no longer have peace of God. Right? What do you got to do to get the peace of God? Well, you got to confess your sin, right? You confess your sin, you get back into it. What's the way to maintain the peace of God? Obey. Obey. What else? There's one surefire way to guarantee to maintain peace with God. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God, and the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? So what's that do? That's constantly maintaining your personal fellowship with the Lord and carrying all your cares to Him. Why should we worry about our cares? Don't be full of care. Carry our cares to Him. And when we carry our cares to Him, right, we let our request be made known unto God and what? No. By everything, with prayer and supplication, with Thanksgiving. Amen. You gotta make sure you gotta keep gotta keep that thing seasoned with Thanksgiving. Right? It's not just Lord, keep giving, keep giving, keep giving, and then me never appreciating and thanking. 
right? It's a give and take. Uh, God, I have a need. I ask you for that need. God, you supply that need. Thank you for that thing that was fulfilled. You understand? It's not all gimme, 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 gimme. It's not all uh, what can you put under my Christmas tree? What can you put in my stockings all the time? And then God said, well, I need more than just requests. I need a little bit of praise in this thing. I need a little bit of thankfulness. I need some appreciation coming out of your heart. And you know what? If, if that shows me that we're, me and you are developing a good relationship right here, I'll fill you with my peace. And you'll have the peace of God. And it'll keep your heart and your mind. See, we're dealing with the heart. It's a heart issue. And where, where do they go bad in Romans chapter 1? What's the key of them going bad in Romans chapter 1? All right, the Bible says, what? The Bible says over there, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation everyone that believeth. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed, what? From heaven. There's a revelation of, of heavens through Calvary, right? And therein, the revelation of the wrath of God, right? And then when they knew the word of they knew the truth, right? Let's look at Romans 1 real quick. Sorry, I don't have the whole Bible memorized. Amen. Romans chapter number 1. Verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from heaven, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest where? In them, for God has showed it on them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation are clearly seen, being understood by the, the things that are made, even eternal power and what? That's the Trinity. So that they were without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Amen. An unthankful heart will leave you to a place to where you wind up becoming an atheist. Right? Amen. That's, I mean, God wants us to have a gratitude of attitude, or an attitude of gratitude. How do, why do Christians get bitter? Because it didn't go their way. They didn't get what they wanted. It didn't turn out the way they thought it should. Uh, they're disappointed in something. They put expectations somewhere that shouldn't be. They didn't let the grace of God work in a situation. A problem wasn't solved between them and somebody else. And so the situation is not resolved. And so if that situation is not resolved, uh, they're not allowing the grace of God to help them deal with a younger Christian, a less mature Christian, and they wind up getting bitter because they don't let the grace of God. If any man fail the grace of God, he doesn't appropriate it. The root of bitterness spring up to defiles many. Amen? People are failing the grace of God. When they get bitter, they fail the grace of God. They're not allowing God's grace to work. Listen, it's like we said the other day, uh, God's blessed us and filled us, but we only go so far in the flesh and then we give up. Listen, I can't have grace with people in the flesh. It runs out quick. I can't have peace in the flesh. It runs out quick. I can't love some of these people out there. It's just too tough to love, right? I got to have, have supernatural love to be able to love some people. Amen. <laughs> Amen. To, to be able to keep going on and keep doing things. I can't go in the flesh. I got to have something supernatural. And that's where the Holy Ghost comes in. Well, same thing. I got to have His grace to deal with every situation in my life. Listen, Christians think once they get saved, man, all of a sudden, man, I got a smooth road. <laughs> it may be the most hilly, bumpy, gravelly road that you might ever travel in your life with pitfalls and then trees across the road spiritually and then you got all kinds of obstacles and bridges out, got to find detours, got to back down roads. Do Listen, our life's up and down, in and out, man. And you know what? We need the grace of God. And we got to learn how to appropriate it. We got to learn how to have the Holy Ghost move in and say, Lord, 
This is where I can't make it, Lord. You got to step in. You, I'm sorry that I've even walked this far in the flesh. But I'm, I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to burn up. I'm fixing to burn out. Uh, Lord, I'm fixing to get in the flesh, and your property's going to be in bad danger. I don't want to spend the rest of my life in prison. <laughs> you said you think? Yeah, I've thought about that a few times. Amen. You know what I've done? I've come up with a little quote, Brother Nick. I haven't seen a man yet worth going to jail for. Right? I don't know anybody that's worth spending a night in jail for, do you? Other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So why be foolish? Why be stupid? Why, why let my flesh, uh, why let my mouth suffer my flesh to sin? I got to have grace. God, I need your grace. Lord, I'm losing my temper. I'm losing, I'm getting it. I'm getting a ditch. I got a scratch. Lord, I need help. <laughs> Listen, grace of God's got to be able to step in there somewhere. When I come to the end, God's got to take over. Willard Thomas's famous poem, Footprints in the Sand. Lord, I only seen one set of footprints. Where were you? That's when I was carrying you. See, right? God was carrying me. Listen, that's what I need to do. God, you need to carry me. Lord, this day has got to be governed by you. I need you. Lord, I reckon myself to be dead now. Before, that, before I hit that intersection, Lord, I need, I need your grace to run the brakes, the controls, the accelerator. I need you in my life. I need that grace. Amen. It's my heart. In all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct my path. So if I give him my heart, he's got my heart, he's got my best interest in there, and I'm yielded to him, and I'm allowing him to work through my life, then the peace of God can rule in my heart. Right? How else can you make the peace of God rule in your heart? Well, think about this. Uh, what are you supposed to do every day of your life? What's the main thing you should be doing and seeking right now? One thing, one thing you should know beyond a shadow of a doubt right now. Every day of your life, it ought to be the very thing that's sought. The will of God. And so, if you're in the will of God, and you know you're in the will of God, and the will of God is taking you someplace or making you go through something you don't want to go through, you got an issue with God. Right? And if, I, if this church is the will of God for me, and I'm supposed to be pastoring it, then I should have the peace of God about that thing, shouldn't I? Amen? And whoever God brings through that doors, God wants me to deal with, doesn't he? And if I'm to lead them, and they choose to want to be here, then I have to lead them. So each individual that comes, listen, I have to have the peace of God, amen, to be able to deal with anything that God brings through the doors. So I need to submit myself to what? The will of God. And if the peace leaves, or I have trouble in the, in the will of God, the problem is it's got to be with me then, doesn't it? See? So it's the will of God. Amen? And so that's what we need to do. Listen, God's called me and her to peace. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. If we don't have peace between us, there's a problem. How do we, resolve the, how do we get to peace? What's the will of God? Okay, let's start back at the beginning. <laughs> Wives submit, husbands obey, Right? And you begin to start working back. Are we doing what the scripture says? Am I doing my responsibility? Are you doing your responsibility? Is there pride in this situation? Why is there contention? Only by pride comes contention. How do we resolve this thing? How do we get back to peace? Okay, well, I sinned. I did wrong. Okay. Now, can there be forgiveness there? Can I be sorry for that? Can I repent for that? Can we make up in that situation? Can we get back to where we can have peace again? You understand what I'm saying? Peace is a desired thing in home. Peace is a desired thing in our life. Peace ought to be governor in our lives. Amen. That will keep me in perfect peace whose mind's what? 
Stayed on thee. You start losing your peace, you got to get back to thinking about him. Thinking about his book, thinking about his home. Isn't that what verse 1 said? What did it say there? If ye be then risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Amen. The reason why we lose peace is we begin to be focused on things down here. Lord, you don't understand my situation. <laughs> and we, we turn this thing around, right? And we put ourselves under a microscope, and then he's in a telescope way out there. You understand? Listen, we're, we zoom in on our own little problems, our own little world, and, and all of a sudden, he don't care. He don't understand. And uh, we need to turn that thing around, don't we? He does care. He does care. But our mind needs to be on him instead of his mind being on us. Because we get our mind on our situation, we'll lose our peace. We get, we get our mind on thinking about what somebody else thinks about us, we ain't going to have no peace. Amen. You can't, I can't even go there. I just got to say, Lord, you, you got to take care. I can't even go there. Amen. Why? Because what I think about myself is too occupied. Amen. I got to get rid of the thoughts about myself and what everything else is going on. I got to get my mind on him. Right? What else does it say? Seek those things which are above. Amen. On the right hand where God, on the right hand of God, set your what? Affections. See, we're back to the heart. It's your affections. Where? On things above. See, I want to have perfect peace. I got to have my focus on heaven. I got to have my mind on heaven. I got to have my heart on heaven. I got to have my mind and things on the things of God. Then I can maintain the peace of God and I can allow that thing to rule in my heart. Amen. To the which also you're called in what? One body. And be you what? Thankful. Paul keeps hammering that thing home. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What? That and everything you give thanks. Man, I had a bad one slap me upside the head today. Hey, man, you ever, you ever read the Bible or hear something in the Bible and then you got to be thankful for that? Huh? <laughs> Lord, the Bible says over here, he to think of he's something. When he's nothing. Deceive himself. I said, oh, Lord, forgive me for just being so deceived. Hey, man, ain't that something? I want to believe I know the truth, have the truth, love the truth. But then all of a sudden, somehow I think I'm something and all of a sudden the Lord said, boy, you're deceived. You really don't understand who you're dealing with, do you? <laughs> and so God constantly keeps me in front of the mirror to show me what I am, who I am. Amen. And uh, so, listen, you got to just thank God for the bad things as well as the good. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amen. And all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We've already been through all that. Amen. To, to allow, to let the word of God dwell. Amen. Have full occupancy in your life. That, we showed you that verse in 1 John about abiding. Let, and he said, if my words abide in you, right, and you abide in my word, what? You can ask what you will, and it shall be what? Done unto you. The reason why people don't have a lot of answer to prayer is because they're not having the right, proper relationship with the book. Amen. There's a lot that goes into prayer, doesn't it? Lord, my prayers ain't being answered. Somebody might say, well, sin in your life. Well, what's your relationship with the book? Are you abiding in the book? Is the book abiding in you? How much book's in you? And how much are you in the book? Wow, that, that might determine. And he said, Herein is my Father glorified. Did you bear what? Much fruit. How are you doing in your fruit bearing in your prayer life? Does your prayer life bear much fruit? Well, your prayer life might not be bearing much fruit because it might be in a portion towards how much the Word's abiding in you and how much you're abiding in the Word. What's it mean to abide? means to dwell. What's it mean to dwell? Rest. is a resting place. Right? 
Does the word has the word found a resting place? I like that one song in this hymn book here. My faith has found a resting place, <laughs> not in vanity or creed. <laughs> Amen. Let it dwell. And then we see it about singing. Amen. With grace, where? In your hearts. Dealing with your hearts. Dealing with your heart. Whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband, as is what? There's a God's spiritual fitness program. Hey man, how's your fitness program working there, Mrs. Parks? Huh? <laughs> I'm fitting the Lord. Right? Huh? She's doing she's doing her spiritual calisthenics. How? Submit to her husband. Right? As it's fitting the Lord. Hey man, Miss Susie told me I was getting in deep water last week, so I move on. Amen. <laughs> Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives. And be not what? Bitter. You're dealing with a heart issue again, ain't you? Isn't that amazing how much? Listen, submission's a thing of the heart for women. Love's a thing of the heart for men. Right? And being bitter, that's a thing with the heart. We're all dealing with heart right here. And then what? Children, obey from the heart, right? Ain't that what Romans 6, 17 says? You've obeyed that form of doctrine where? From the heart. You know what? You can tell when somebody just made a mere profession with the head or somebody made a true profession with their heart, why? It affects their heart. It affects their life. It'll change things. There will be a change. Amen. When somebody submits and gets right with the Lord, it's going to affect their life. When you have an old-fashioned revival meeting and somebody deals with some things, God's convicted them over some sins, amen, they go home, there's going to be some changes going on. If they need to forgive somebody, they'll get right with somebody. If they need to get right with somebody, they'll go get right with somebody. If they need to pay restitution, they'll make restitution. If they need to quit something, they'll quit something. If it's a heart issue. Amen. We're dealing with the heart. And like Brother Gabbard preached not too long ago, people are just going through the motion. If you're going through the motion, it's all head. We know how to perform. That's the dangerous thing about kids being raised, amen, in a Christian home and in a, in a Bible-believing church because they know how from the beginning to grow up and how to perform. They know how to act out religiously. Amen. They're good children, but are they godly? Has God affected their heart? Amen. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing on the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Amen. You're dealing with the heart again there. Look at verse 22. Servants, obey where? In all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but singleness of the or of heart, fearing God. Amen. What's a servant? Huh? A servant? I thought you said a servant. That's what I thought too. What's it? We're talking about servants right there, right? What's a servant? <laughs> you have hired servants, you have bond servants. What's the difference? I guess one way to put it is workers. Well, but what's the difference between a bond servant and a hired, and a, and a hired servant? A bond servant is in captivity. It's not by choice. A hired servant is one that's by choice. There's a difference there. Amen? And there is such a thing as slavery. In the Bible. And people don't like that. Right. And the word slaves, I heard somebody say the other day that slave doesn't show up in the King's Age Bible. In Revelation 8, it talks about slaves. Or Revelation 18, it talks about slaves. In Jeremiah 2, I think it is. It talks about slaves. 
Amen. Might, might be Jeremiah 7. But uh, there's two places the word slave shows up in the King James Bible. And then I had a man come in here and tell me the King James Bible is inaccurate because uh, every place that says servant is supposed to say slave. Well, he's knucklehead, crippled two eye for crutches. They're always looking for some reason to correct the King James Bible. Amen. The children of Israel were pawn slaves, servants to the Egyptians, right? Amen, amen. And if you believe the scriptures, like I believe the scriptures, those were Hamites, them Shemites were in subjection to. Boy, boy, Black Lives Matters had a fun time with that one, wouldn't they? Huh? At one time, they had Jews in captivity in a subjection. And guess what? <laughs> amen. They wound up being in captivity and subjection. Amen, amen. Well, I'm not trying to get off on all that tonight, but I'm trying to show you something here. It's from the heart. Amen, it's from the heart. And so if you're a servant, if you're a slave, and you have a believing master, what are you supposed to do? Huh? First Timothy chapter number 6, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to submit. Amen. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. But as many... Let as many servants which are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. You know what he's saying from the heart there? He said, change your attitude towards your master. Amen. And give him honor. Whew. That the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. God said, listen, you're a slave and you got a master. You better change your attitude. Because if you don't have the right heart attitude towards your master, you're blaspheming my word. And you're blaspheming me. Oh, no. Amen. Amen. It's, it's all heart issue. Right? Verse 2. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. God said, don't, don't forget about it. Make sure you teach it. Listen, they must have the right heart towards their owner. And if they don't have the right heart towards their owner, they're not going to have the right heart towards God, and they're blaspheming God. So while you're under the yoke and you're in the shackles, amen, hoeing cotton, do it for the glory of God and count your master worthy. Say, yes, sir, I'll give you a full day's service from my heart. I'm not going to serve you with eye service, amen, but I'm going to serve you as like I'm serving Jesus Christ, and I'm going to do it for the master, and I'm going to hoe and chop cotton for Jesus. Boy, boy, that would change the whole attitude, wouldn't it? Could you imagine all these people who wanted to end a civil war? Amen. And all these Yankee soldiers come down south and they see all them Negroes out there in the field chopping cotton, singing, Oh, I love Jesus. Amen. I gotta, I'm working and just happy as can be under their master. Boy, that would have changed everything, wouldn't it? <laughs> Amen. Listen, Jews were slaves. Jews were also, they became servants to their own people. Jews owned Jews. What do you do with that? You do what the book said. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> I know this is a bad subject. Me being white, me being in the north, and the war being over for 150 years. But it's Bible, isn't it? God told us how to deal with slaves. God told us how to be servants. God told us how to be masters. And uh, it's in there. But what do we use those passages for today? We use it as employee and employer, but actually it's not dealing with employee and employer. 
Now we can spiritualize the passage, but doctrinally it's dealing with slaves and it's dealing with slave owners. Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and what? Trembling in the singleness of your heart as unto Christ. A wife's supposed to submit to me. My wife's supposed to submit to me as unto the what? The Lord. And I'm supposed to love her as Christ loved who? The church. It's all dealing with our hearts, isn't it? And we've got to do it in Christ's stead. Listen, I'm in Christ's stead as a pastor. I'm in Christ's stead as a, as a soul winner. When I go stand on somebody's door, I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I'm in His stead, bearing the gospel to the world. Amen. When I'm, when I'm dealing with my children, I'm in Christ's stead to them. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? There's multiple places in my life that I'm in Christ's place. So I better be a good representative of Him. And I better be doing that right. And I ought to be living up to what He would be, be living up to, wouldn't I? And then therefore, as I work to my employer, as I submit to my pastor, as I turn around and submit to my government officials and things like that, I need to be doing that as on to the Lord. God's going to hold me guilty about that if I don't. Verse 6, Not with eye service as man-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from... Isn't that amazing how much the heart... This is, this is a hard issue. Submission is a hard issue. There was a little boy one day. His daddy told him to sit down in the pew. And his little boy sat down in the pew and he said, I might be sitting down, but in my heart I'm standing up. Right? Amen. Listen, God sees that attitude. God knows that attitude. Right. I could tell my wife to do something. She said, yeah, I'm doing it. But you know what, Buster? When I get my chance, I'm getting even with you, pal. Well, that's not doing it from the heart as on the Christ then, is it? Right. Amen. Listen, I think it would make her buying my vegetable soup a little bit sweeter if she's buying it for the Lord. Huh? If she's making a bed for the Lord and she's vacuuming for the Lord and she's washing dishes for the Lord and she's cooking for the Lord she's buying groceries for the Lord, I think her day would be a whole lot better. And if I was out there making bills for the Lord and I was bringing home money for the Lord and I was buying a car for the Lord and I was loving a woman for the Lord and doing it all, it would make my home a whole lot sweeter, sweeter, wouldn't it, if I was doing it for the Lord. And if I pastored a church for the Lord and I was doing it for the Lord and loved the people the way the Lord wanted me to love the people, it'd make my pastorate a whole lot better, wouldn't it? And if the people came and submitted as unto the Lord, we'd have a good opportunity to work together then, couldn't we? It's amazing how many churches don't do it as unto the Lord. But it's from the heart, ain't it? As unto Christ. Not with high service men pleasers, but servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Verse 7, with good will, doing service, as to the Lord and not to men. you got to bypass who you're doing it for. Amen? I remember I was sitting there at work one day and time to clean up. And we had our shop divided up. Some of you have already heard this. And uh, we had certain sections men would do. And I got my broom and I swept my section. Then I wound up sweeping somebody else's section because they weren't there. They weren't doing it. And I just went ahead and was doing it. And another guy came down and he went so far and he stopped. He would not do the rest of his. I said, Lord, I can't believe you ain't going to do the rest of his. He goes, who's the Christian? I said, okay. And I went on, swept around the corner, and I went up, swept up, passed. I did three-fourths of the shop Well, the guy did a quarter of it. He didn't want to pull his weight, but God said, who's the Christian? I said, enough said. You understand? Changed my whole attitude about everything. I could have got bitter, could have got complained, but I said, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to go to second mile. 
I'm supposed to do extra. I'm supposed to take the harder task. In fact, if I remember when I heard Don Green preach about holy the harder, I'd come down and volunteered for the harder. That's pretty tough. What are you laughing about? Didn't you? You didn't volunteer for that? <laughs> You're going to use that against me, ain't you? Huh? <laughs> Look at her. She got the giggles and jiggles. Put the camera on her. Amen? Amen? Didn't Earl Hughes say that? He said, volunteer for the hardest task. He said, you got two tasks in front of you? Take the hardest one. Well, I tell you what. I'm stupid enough to believe them old-time preachers. Amen? Quit looking for the easy path. Looking for the easy way. Lord, I'll take the hard path. He's looking for a labor. He didn't say, I'm looking for educated, reformed people. He said, I'm looking for labors. You know what labor does? He sweats. He gets blisters. Puts in long hours. Lurks for low, cheap wages. I'm looking for labors. With good will, service we're on the Lord and not on the men. Verse 8, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall receive of the Lord, whether it be bond or free. And ye masters do the same unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Back to Colossians chapter number 3. God's watching the situation in your life. God's watching the relationships you have in life. God knows whether it's an employee, employer, slave, or master, husband, or wife, child, and parent. Listen, He knows all relationships. He's watching it. And the best way to solve all relationships is whatever I do, I do it as unto the Lord for the Lord. Right? Priscilla and Gabriel? When mom and dad tell you to do something, you don't get a little spat going. You don't get a little huffy marching up the steps. You're doing it for the Lord, right? Huh? Well, it's kind of hard. To ask. Mom and Dad ask some ridiculous things. Yeah, but who, who are you supposed to obey? The parents. And you're supposed to do it as on to who? The Lord. Amen. So when you're out there cussing, amen, under your breath, because you've got to get out there and work in the hot heat, you're doing it to who? Who are you cussing? You don't believe that? Okay, First Corinthians. I'll help you out. First Corinthians. I'm trying to keep from preaching a different message. First Corinthians 8. Verse 12. But when ye sin so against the brethren, and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against who? Christ takes it personal. So my wife's considered my brother in the Lord, right? She's part of the brethren, right? That's kind of funny, ain't it? Hello? She is part man, whoa man, right? You got a lad over there in that lady? Got a he and a she? Huh? Right? Right? And her, you got a he? Amen. So, but she's, she's, she's my brother in the Lord, spiritually, brethren. And if I sin against my wife, I'm sinning against two. Now, if my wife won't submit to me, who's she sinning against? Christ. Amen. My children won't obey their daddy, who are they sinning against? If I sin against my children, provoking them to anger and wrath, who am I sinning against? Christ. Well, it changes our relationships, doesn't it? How God said, hey, I'm watching how you take care of everybody and you're in my stead and they're in my stead and the way you treat people, I'm just going to count it the way you treat me. 
I said this when I preached. Uh, according to Acts chapter number 13, they said, separate me Barnabas and Saul. Who'd they minister to? They ministered in the church, but they ministered to the Lord. And I said this one time in the church. The Lord stands up and says, you called me a devil 932 times. When did I ever call you a devil? Lord, I never called you a devil. Yeah, you did at least once a week in your church for 20-some years. You called all them sheep out there devils. You called them dogs and idiots and stupid. You know how many times you called me stupid and dumb sheep? Lord, I was talking to the people. Exactly. Paul said, the Lord said, Saul, Saul, thou per... He says, why persecutest thou me? Who is Saul persecuting? He was persecuting Christians. And he had to give an account as, as per, persecuting who? Christ. Christ takes it personal. When we sin against one of his children, he takes it personal and says, you're persecuting me. When we do, if I do my sheep wrong, I'm doing who wrong? Christ wrong. If my sheep do my wrong, who are they doing wrong? Christ. It'd make a big difference to keep people from cussing out their pastor. <laughs> huh? It'd be a big difference to keep a preacher from cussing out his church. Amen. When you realize who you're dealing with, you're dealing with Christ. You say, what did I ever deal with? That's the way he looks at it. So if I sin against the brethren, I'm sinning against Christ. You sin against me, I'm part of the brethren. You're sinning against who? Christ. And so the whole thing here that we're reading is a hard issue, isn't it? Verse 22. Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not fear Him. You know so much hearts in this thing? Let me ask you a question now. Is your heart in it? Is your heart in your marriage? Is your heart in your home? Is your heart in your relationships? Is your heart in your church? Whatever you do, do it what? Heartily. Why do we want to do heartily when it's pleasing self, but we don't want to do it heartily when it's pleasing the Lord? We give it all we got for fun. We give it all we got for pleasure. We give it all we got for a buck. But have we ever given it all to God? It's hard to do. I like what one preacher did one night. He said, Friday night we're having a special service. He said, Friday night I'm asking you to pack the whole church out. He said, in fact, he said, I'll give you an incentive to get everybody you can here because I got a special message on Friday night. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Friday night, if you can bring a visitor for every visitor you bring, I'll give you a $5 bill. He said, I want you to pack the church out. We got to have a packed out church. Friday night, pack it out. Friday night came. He reminded him every night. Friday night came. He had a stack of $5 bills. He said, all right, who bought visitors? Somebody said, I bought two. Passed out two $5 bills. And he went through. And everybody, he passed out the money. He said, now I can neglect anybody. Did I keep my promise? Did I keep my promise tonight? Yes. Amen. Thank you for coming. Thank you for bringing visitors. Thank you, Lord, for, for pack, packing out this church. He said, now I'd like to preach a little sermon tonight. Is what you'll do for money, you ought to do for God. <laughs> he, he led him right into that trap, didn't he? He said, how come you can't get people here to church for God, but you can get them here for five bucks? Boy, I tell you, that, that, that thing will preach, won't it? Listen, we ought to serve God because we love Him, and we want to serve Him because we please Him, and we want to be in church because it pleases Him, and we ought to be coming here to come to hear His message because that's what He wants us to hear. And we approach the Word of God. God, here's your book today. God, the book of books, of all books, Lord, and I ask you to open up this book and talk to me and speak to me out of this book because this is your Word, and this is how you communicate to me, and I want to hear it. 
Man, that might change my way I read my Bible. Lord, here I go. I got I got three chapters. I got to read my devotion. Got to get it through. Okay, done. What next? And then three hours read magazines and newspapers. Amen. Not much heart in Bible reading, is there? Not much heart in Bible reading. Not much heart in singing. You ever hear people sing in church? Amazing grace, how sweet. Not not heartily, is it? What's heartily singing? Heartily. Whatsoever you do. Soul winning. Amen. Going to the doors. Amen. We're going to be, we're going to tell somebody about Jesus. Hallelujah. Heartily. I don't think we always do. You go. No, I go. No, you. <laughs> Lord, I don't want to go. Look how mean that man is. <laughs> oh, amen. Make excuses. Allow fears to creep in. Where do we heartily serve the Lord? Heartily give to the Lord. <laughs> oh, 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 Lord. I got to give. It's so hard to get rid of George. <laughs> I got such a fond attachment to George and Abe. Amen. I'm telling you, make it hard, but heartily. Lord, I want to give to you. I want to serve you. I want to go. I want to do something. Lord, it's for you. I want to minister to somebody. Lord, who can I help? Lord, I really didn't mean that. I, I don't want to really help that much. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Do it heartily. I ask to the Lord over and over again. It's Christ is in the place. We're serving Christ. We're serving the Lord. We're serving God. And when we do the service, we've got to do it with our heart. And when we do it with our heart, we've got to do it as unto God. Verse 24, why? Knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive what? The reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord who? Lord Christ. He that doeth wrong shall receive of the wrong which he hath done. There's no respecter of persons. Watch this. Let's go to John 21. I'm going to tell you the average Christian's response right here. John 21, 21. Well, let's go back up to 19. This he spake, signifying what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter turned about and said, The disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, what is he that betrayeth, or that saith, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Question mark. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. The average Christian get instructions from the Lord what they're supposed to do. Yeah, but what are they going to do? Don't worry about what they do. It doesn't matter. You wanted to do something. This is what I gave you to do. You do it. Don't worry about what they're doing. And so many people in the church, the kids do the same thing. What, what about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? Do I got to do more than everybody else? The whole world's worried about that somebody might do one more thing than the other person. All the companies and all the businesses out there, they're worried about somebody might carry one extra box, one extra bag, work five extra minutes without being on the clock. Amen. Somebody might have to sweep a little bit more than the next guy. 
Everybody's worried about not pulling their weight. Somebody's always trying to get out of it. Nick's got to go unload a trailer tonight. Some guy's got to help unload, and the guy doesn't load his or unload his as fast as Nick does. And so the boss says, Nick, go in there and help the guy undo his job. And that guy's been sitting around not doing nothing. They're both getting paid the same. But he's got to do work and a half, trailer and a half, when the other guy's only got to do half trailer, and the guy gets paid for a full trailer. And Nick only gets paid for a trailer when he does a trailer and a half. That can get you bitter. That can get you angry. That can get you upset. get you mad. But who's he working for? The Lord. Who's supposed to be the good testimony? The Christian. Right? Amen. Amen. You know what? In a Christian life, it's not always going to be smooth sailing. It's always, not always going to be the easiest. You may get blisters. You may get unnoticed. You may get overworked. But Christian, we're not home yet. We're going to go see the Lord. The Lord hadn't rewarded us yet. The Lord does supply blessings down here. There's times we get something we don't deserve. Then there's times we get things happen to us we definitely don't deserve. I understand whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. What did Jesus sow when he was down here in life? He sowed good. What else did he sow? He sowed love. What else? Joy. He, he sowed kindness. He sowed mercy. Amen. Did he reap mercy? Did he reap love? Huh? Did he bodily injure anybody? He went around doing good and healing people. And they beat his body beyond recognition and nailed him to a tree, spit in his face, pulled his beard out, mocked him, ridiculed him, blasphemed him, killed his disciples. I thought he reaped what he sowed. You know what? In the Christian life, you've got to reap things that you didn't sow that you don't even deserve. But you know what? Bad's going to come to you. How are you going to handle the bad? Storms come. The guy's house on the rock, the guy's house on the sand. Guess what? Storms come. Guess what? Storm beats against them. Both. One falls, one doesn't. Amen. It rains on the just and the unjust. You understand? We're all going to go through things. Bad things are going to happen to us. And to trial your faith. Listen, your faith is going to be tried. You're a Christian. You're going to wind up be put in the fire. You're going to be tried. Bad things are going to happen to you. The devil's going to be allowed to do something to you just like he did to Job. And guess what? How are you going to handle it? If there's poison in your heart, it's going to come out. Amen. If there's love and God and blessing in there, guess what's coming out? Amen. Listen, we're, we're going to go through it. Everybody's going to go through it. If you're a child of God, the devil's done declared war on you. He's going to put you through stuff. And you're going to have to have harder tasks. And, and he may push you to the point where you want to get bitter. He may push you to the point where you got to scream. He may push you to the point, amen, where you want to pull your hair out. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be serving the Lord. And we're supposed to be trusting that anything that happens in our life comes from the Lord. And if it's coming from the Lord and the Lord's allowed the devil to attack us, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. What did Job say? Though he try me, though he slay me, I will what? Amen. Though he slay me. Listen, he knew he'd come forth as gold. He didn't want to charge God with his lips. So you know what I got to do as a Christian? I got to know that, listen, I'm serving the Lord no matter what situation it is, no matter who I'm involved. Listen, I'd love to move away. I'd love to wave, run away from all my problems. I think Montana's calling me. I think a dude ranch out there, sitting around a fire, huh, sipping a nice cup of coffee out there with them horses and everything, four-wheelers and everything, I think it's calling me. But there's one problem. When I get there, I'll be there. And the number one problem I'll be taking with me. So no, it doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter what church I'm in. 
whether it's Highway Baptist Church, Faith Baptist Church, Cornerstone Baptist Church, Calvary Baptist Church, Heritage Baptist Church, doesn't matter which church I'm in, I still got the same problem. And I still have to get along with people. There's people everywhere, no matter what job I'm on. Amen. No matter who my neighbors are, you got neighbors. Hello? <laughs> Amen. People got problems with neighbors no matter where they're at. People got problems with any vehicle they get. Right? Sooner or later they need repairs. Sooner or later they all break down. Right? Sooner or later every appliance breaks down. Unless you're lucky you get some for about 30 years. But still, sooner or later it's going to fall apart. You know, everything's a trial in this life. And so what I got to do is I got to constantly have my heart prepared to be able to deal with those things. And if I'm crucified and allowing Christ to control my heart my life and my mind and I'm filling it with the book and I'm walking with him in prayer, it really doesn't matter who enters in my life. It ought to be a blessing to me. No matter how bad they are to deal with. Oh, God. Guess who's coming? <laughs> the trouble. Bubba's coming. Amen. Capital T. Right? I don't like that kind of stuff. But God puts trying people in our lives. I've often wondered that. Why do I get so many trying people in my life? Maybe I got a lot God's got to work out of my heart and my life. Amen. I gotta have, I listen, I need instruction. So God gives me people sometimes that I got to teach that I can learn lessons from that I'm the only way I'm going to be able to learn that is when I'm praying to God. I say, God, how do I solve this problem? The light goes on. So I got it. Right. Got it. Now I know, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen. But listen, I got to do it as heartily as on the Lord. I can, I can enjoy my pastorate. I can enjoy my handful of people. Or I can be bitter and gripe. Listen, I'm serving the Lord. It doesn't matter how many people are here. It doesn't matter how many people get saved. Listen, I want people to get saved. I'm not going to force somebody to say a prayer just so I can come back home and say, Hey, I got a profession. I talked some guy into going to hell. Amen. Well, they said the magical words. Yeah, but did he mean it with his heart? Did I, did I spiritually sabotage somebody's life and get him to thinking that he prayed some kind of prayer so he's going to heaven because he said abracadabra? Abracadabra don't work. But if a man gives Jesus, trusts Jesus Christ with his heart, he gets born again. Right? So I just got to make sure that I'm not pulling green fruit, that I'm not having premature spiritual births and allowing them to spiritually die. You understand? Premies, when you pull a premie out, they require a lot of intensive care. You know why so many churches got so many intensive care units? <laughs> it's because we're trying to pick green fruit. We're trying to pick premies. We're trying to force somebody to get saved before they've come to term. Amen. And you know what? I've got to learn to wind up doing that with an honest heart, a pure heart, uh, a loving heart, a heart for God. And if i got a right heart for God, I'll be able to deal with those circumstances and be able to deal with those people, won't I? It's all with the heart. And then you know what God's going to do? He's going to reward me. The rewards come with, turn this, I'm done. Je Revelation 22. Revelation 22. I'm thankful that he's going to reward me for all the difficulties in my life and all the time that I served him and died to myself. He's got reward for me. And look at this. Not only when I, when I see him, amen, is he going to... I'm going to get rewarded for seeing him and being his child. But verse 21, or Revelation 22, verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is what? With me. To give every man according to his work shall be. God's going to reward me for doing it the way he said to do it. He's going to take away rewards if I don't do it the way he said to do it. 
How am I supposed to do it? Heartily, as unto the Lord. So if my heart's in the right place and my heart's in check and I do the work of God from the heart as unto Christ, as unto the Lord, as unto God, in the fear of God, then I'll receive a reward. Boy, I want to be able to receive a reward. I don't want my rewards taken away from me. Amen? I'd hate to know that I earned a whole bunch and then I watch it get all burned up. Man, that bothered me. He's coming back a reward. I hope somebody else don't get my reward. And I'm not working for a reward. I'm working for the Lord. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the what? Work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Listen, my labor's not in vain, but I've got to do it with my heart. And I think the problem in Christianity, why people are getting burnt out and getting wore out, is because they begin to start trying to serve and please a preacher or try to serve and work for a ministry, try to work and serve for somebody versus working for the Lord. And somehow their heart gets out of it and they begin to go through the motions and then they wind up getting bitter about the thing and they wind up getting irritated and agitated and they wind up falling out with people. Why do they do that? Because somewhere they've lost their heart. And Dan Metter said this the other night. He says, the Bible says we left our first love. Mm. Ain't that something? We left it. Amen? And uh, people didn't lose their first love. They left their first love. And what do we got to do? We got to go back to our first love and make sure our heart's right with them. Amen. Brother Nick, would you pray, please?